one of the things that um, I, I, I usually end in my sort of general thanks to God with is this, the Word of God. The Word of God is such a, a wonderful gift to us. And so uh, we always want to stay close to it <laughs> as a church. We always want to, if, if we're teaching, we want to stay true to it. And um, so we are studying right now in the book of Acts, which is the story of the first church in the first uh, century. And so we're going to take a look today at um, an incident in which uh, Peter and James, uh, Peter and John, I should say, if you recall, they, they had healed a, 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 a lame beggar. That was the title given to him. They had healed a lame beggar, and then they had started to use that miracle as a platform to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we're just going to pick up there. I'm going to read Acts 4, 1 to 22 for you. The words will be on the screen as well. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus Christ the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. You can jail the speakers, you can jail the messengers, but you can't jail the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Peter and John got put in jail, but 5,000 people came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior that day. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas. Some of those names you'll be familiar with because they were part of the... Um, I call it a mock trial that put Christ uh, to the cross. There was John and Alexander and others of the high priest's family. Um, they, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. Interesting question. By what power or what name did you do this, this healing? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. Sounds like a big pronouncement, doesn't it? You and all the people of Israel know this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. He is, as Jesus said, the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through me. Those were Jesus' words. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note of these men that they had been with Jesus. Remember it said that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, started to speak? 
And then you see that these scholarly types were astonished that such ignorant men could speak so profoundly. That was because of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can do amazing things. Transform illiterate fishermen into profound declares of the word. Interesting. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, sorry, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then confirmed, conferred together. What are you going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign. We can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at the name at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Very different from the Sadducees, you see. Because the Sadducees <laughs> saw the guy standing there too. They knew the man had been lame and blind, but they still were bent on suppressing the truth behind his, that miracle. Peter and John, on the other hand, said, it's as plain as the nose on your face. What, what are we supposed to do? Not talk about something that obviously happened, folks? Well, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So we, we don't really use cornerstones in our construction anymore. Um, but because of the significance of cornerstones in history and what they were originally used for, we still put commemorative cornerstones in buildings. So if it's a stone building. So if you see a stone building, quite often there's a nice cornerstone there and it says, you know, the date of the construction of that stone building. Or it might have uh, the name of the building. That sort of thing. So not being real familiar with what a cornerstone is, even though I am the proud son of a bricklayer and should know what a cornerstone is, um, I need to sort of look at what it is to be a cornerstone or what is the cornerstone. So it's the first stone that was chosen to um, as, as the beginning of the foundation. It had to be a good stone. It had to be exact. Because from that stone, the rest of the building was formed. It was the template upon which everything else was built. That's what the cornerstone is. 
If you had a bad cornerstone, you had a bad building. You had a good cornerstone, you had a good building. Simple as that. It's kind of like wallpapering. I don't know if any of you do wallpapering. Um, I wallpaper. I don't allow Colleen to join me in that process. <laughs> That's because <laughs> it's don't ever, as a couple, wallpaper together. <laughs> it doesn't go well. I've never heard of it going well. So um, wallpapering, if you do not get that first piece of wallpaper right, you know, it might look right to the naked eye to look at it at the beginning. You say, oh, that looks good. Yeah, let's go. About 10 sheets down, you start to see how crooked things are. It's the same thing with the cornerstone. With the cornerstone, it has to be exacting. It has to be precise. It has to set the template or set the parameters for the rest of the building. When Peter is explaining or responding to the question of the Sadducees, their question was this, by what power or by what name did you do this healing? Peter uses the metaphor of a cornerstone. And he looks straight at them and he says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. I want us to consider this metaphor because it is rich with meaning. <coughs> By employing this idea of a cornerstone, he's setting up a picture by which he means to do what is it's an old rhetorical device of comparing and contrasting. Because in fact, he's really talking about a couple of cornerstones here. He's actually talking about a couple of builders here. He's actually talking about a couple of cornerstones here. So, we're going to take a look at three things that Peter includes when he just says those simple words. Jesus is the cornerstone or the stone that you rejected. So, he's comparing two buildings, two builders, and two cornerstones. Let's start with the builder. And this is really important to know. We, uh, we just, in our simple way of looking at history, quite often just say, the bad guys in the Jesus story are the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Most of us just say the Pharisees. <laughs> but that's super simplistic, and, and, and actually, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees couldn't be further apart, quite frankly, and didn't like each other much at all. The only reason they got together with, 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 with condemning Jesus was they were of joint mind that we've got to get rid of this guy, he's trouble. So, the Sadducees. This is what you need to know about the Sadducees. Because those are the people that are really confronting Peter and John right now. They're upset. It says they were annoyed. The Sadducees are the ruling class of the Jews. 
the aristocrats, if you will. They, the members of the priesthood and the high priest, the chief priest, would have been Sadducees. They held most of the seats in the governing body that ruled over the Jewish people under the watchful eye of the Romans. They held most of the seats in what is called the Sanhedrin, their ruling body. They were very concerned about the relationship between the Jews and Rome. And basically didn't want to create any waves. They were very political, but not very religious. Now this is why they get really ticked off about Peter and John talking about what they're talking about. They did not believe in the resurrection. Worse than that, they didn't believe in life after death. Nor did they believe in the spiritual realm. And here's Peter and John out there saying, it's in the name of Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, that this man is healed. And they're like, oh, so you guys are te teaching the resurrection. We don't allow that. No resurrection talk around here. So the Sadducees were very much about this world, very much about this life. They believed in the law. They actually saw the law of God, mostly the first five books of the Old Testament we, we call the law. They would follow that. They believed in that. But as a prescription for a good life in this life, because after this life, there wasn't anything else. You see how they might have an issue with Jesus? So that's, uh, that's the Sadducees. Just so you know, and this is, I'm not going to charge you extra for this. The, the Pharisees, all right, they were very religious. Whereas the Sadducees were secular and more concerned about politics and staying nicey-nicey with the Romans and all about success and having them you know, prosperity in this world. The Pharisees were like very religious to the point that they, they, they adopted everything that was ever taught about the law as, as much as the law. The, the, they called that the, the uh, oh, somebody help me out, the, of the elders. The teaching of the elders. The, anyways, they, they took all of the people that had taught about the law and they said that is... Uh, that, that is as important as the law. So they had not just the rules of the law, they made rules upon rules upon rules on top of the law so that you wouldn't break the law. See, they figured if they had all these minuscule laws out here, you could never get close to breaking one of the laws. So they, they, they pillared or, or, or surrounded the law and the do's and the don'ts of the law with bazillions of do's and don'ts. The tradition of the elders, that's what I was trying to say. Okay, so the Pharisees are super, super into religion. And they believe in resurrection. And they believe in afterlife. They believe in, you know, you, for rewards and punishment, afterlife. So you see how the Sadducees and the, the Pharisees are like diametrically opposed, right? But they got together to kill Jesus. Neither one of them liked Jesus. 
They, they actually were middle class. They weren't so concerned about prosperity and all that sort of thing. But actually, the people that Joe on the street, they liked the Pharisees. The, the, the Sadducees were haughty, totty kind of, you know, highbrow people. Okay, so we've got this back to the building. Peter says, you builders rejected Jesus. He's saying, you builders. And he's talking to the Sadducees. So he's saying, you're building something, right? But there's another builder at work, and that builder is God. So builder number two is God. You got that? So let's move on to the next set of metaphors. Well, what are the builders building? What are the Sadducees building? And what is God building? Well, God is building the kingdom of God. Right? He is building the kingdom of God. And he chose Jesus Christ to be the cornerstone of the building of the kingdom of God. Then what were the Sadducees building? Well, think about it. They're not building anything that has any, any um, impact on spiritual things. They're not interested in building anything that has anything to do with life after death, because I don't believe in it. They're basically concerned about building a strong Israel. Israel is the building that they're building. They're building a strong nation of Israel. That's what they're all concerned about. See, they're political, right? And, and they, 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 their concern is with the nation of Israel. All right, so we're getting to it now. The third metaphor, then, is the cornerstone. So we've got two builders, the Sadducees and God. The Sadducees are building Israel. God is building his kingdom. So, who did God choose as the cornerstone of the kingdom of God? Christ. Christ is the cornerstone, right, of the kingdom of God. He is precisely what is needed to create the kingdom of God. A holy, righteous, pure, wonderful, God-honoring, eternal kingdom. What did the Sadducees use as their cornerstone then? Well, all they've got is themselves. And so they had self as their cornerstone. What they could do to create a great Israel. Right? Well, they believed that God was on their side. Don't get me wrong. Uh, because it's Israel. And God chose Israel. But at the same time, they are mostly concerned with prosperity and making a strong and vibrant and prosperous nation. And so they're the cornerstone. You know, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, even the kids, we train the kids to sing this song about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how bad they are. <laughs> I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Right? We have the kids sing that song. Right? We don't want them to be this, but you got to give them credit for one thing. They looked at Jesus Christ and they said, that guy cannot be the cornerstone of what we're building. Right? 
Because what we're building is all about this world. It's all about this life. It's all about one kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. It's all about prosperity. It's all about success. It's all about power. It's all about prestige. We can't have that guy. <coughs> we can't have that guy be our cornerstone. You've got to give them the credit for that. They saw that. We'll do a better job of building that building. Isn't that amazing that you can look at someone or something and reject it when it's essentially and exactly what you do? <coughs> so you can see why the Sadducees rejected Christ in the cornerstone. You see, Christ was concerned with the kingdom of God, which transcends this world, which is, exists within us, without of us, it existed before us, and will exist forever. <laughs> it's not bound by this world, not bound by time or, or, or bound by place or, or people. The kingdom of God is so much bigger than that. And that's what Christ was. You talk, read, read the Gospels. What does Jesus talk about? What, does, what are his parables about? He usually starts his parables with the kingdom of God is like. He's, he's talking about the kingdom of God, which is so much bigger than the here and the now, the temporal things of this world. Christ's teaching focused on our spiritual condition, on our life in the present, but also our life in the future. And Christ spoke against living for this world. He said, don't put stock in this world. You can see with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, that's all they talk about, was how to be successful in this life. That's why when you look at Matthew 6, you read these words. This, these words are an out-and-out -out condemnation of the teachings of the, Seraphim, uh, the Sadducees. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, you can live your life for this life. And that can be your entire focus. Or you can live your life for eternity, <laughs> that which goes beyond the temporal, the, the things you can see and hear and touch and feel right now. Uh, I love the way Peter and John respond to the uh, cease and desist order that they're given by the Sadducees. Who are saying, you can't teach that. You no longer are allowed to teach that. It was kind of funny because they have not a leg to stand on. <laughs> but you can't do that. <laughs> um, but they had no leverage. But I love how they responded. They said, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They were saying, our allegiance is with the cornerstone that you rejected. Our allegiance is with the kingdom of God, and our allegiance is with God himself. We will listen 
to their authority in our life, but we're not going to listen to you because all you're worried about is this world. And that is so narrow and it is so limited in what is real in this world. Peter and John were willing and interested in building on the cornerstone of Christ. This is why Christ, when he was alive, said, Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Uh, we can't really get into the Pharisees and why you have to be on guard about that. It's legalism, in a word. What do you have to guard against? What is the yeast of the Sadducees? Materialism. Secularism. This is all there is, ism. And unfortunately, many of us have allowed the yeast to permeate our lives. That, that, that we have superseded the cornerstone and kind of bumped out the cornerstone and kind of placed ourselves in there. And, and we build our, the, the building of our life based on our, our judgments. What we decide is right. What we decide is wrong. What we will tolerate, what we won't tolerate. What we decide is important. Our values. And, and it's easy to do because Jesus says it's the yeast. <laughs> you know how small yeast is? I, I, I shouldn't know, but my wife Colleen sends me out for Fleischmann yeast. <laughs> Comes in a little tiny package. You know how hard that is to find in a grocery store? Little packages of yeast. And then if you open up those packages, just these little teeny weeny grains. It's easy to let yeast permeate or get into you, into your building. But once it's there, I, I notice what it does. The yeast goes, it expands. It creates big things, the yeast, right? And so Jesus says, watch out for that stuff. If you let a little bit of the yeast of the Sadducees, you're going you're to stop making Christ, or me, in that case, Christ, he's saying of himself, as your cornerstone, and you're going to become your own cornerstone. Your focus is going to be on this world and, 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 and making your life good. And making your life comfortable. And prosperous. That's what the yeast of the Pharisees or the Sadducees does. You see, Peter and John wouldn't have any of that. And they said, as they say, to the very men who held their the balance of their life in their hands, literally. They'd already gotten rid of Jesus. I mean, getting rid of Peter and John, like, really, who cares? They could have gotten rid of those two guys. Easy. I'm sorry. Christ is our cornerstone. I'm building my life. I'm building the building of my life around Jesus Christ. I want to be part of the kingdom of God, was their response. So what is there for us who choose to have Christ as our cornerstone? You know, 
Solomon said that eternity is in each soul. You see, we all know there's more to life than this. <laughs> we all know there's more to life than this. Many of us deny it. Some of us are adamantly deniers. People say, oh, there's nothing more. This is all there is. But Scripture says that we all know that there's eternity. And so what do we get when we put Christ... Well, first of all, we get to be faithful and obedient to God. <laughs> That's an important thing, because He's God and we're not. But we also get the real good life. <laughs> we get the fruit of the spiritual world. We get character change. We get transformed into eternal beings that are going to forever outlive this world. We get true peace, true joy, undeniable, unchanging, and unconditional love. That's what we get when we make Christ our cornerstone. And so we need to guard against the yeast of the Sadducees. We need to make sure that Christ is in his rightful place, that he is our cornerstone. We need to trust God on this because in our natural, we are not unlike the Sadducees. And we might look at Christ and say, that stone's messed up. And that, that, that stone, I can't build a life of prosperity with that stone. I can't build the good life with that stone. I can't be in charge with that stone. So we have to trust God, that when he says that he works out the good for those who love him, that he's honest and he means it. And so we need to put our trust in Christ. The chief cornerstone, who don't ever forget, who was rejected as a lousy stone. That's the stone you choose when you make Christ your Savior and your Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for this incredible concept that you have placed in your scriptures from the old scriptures to newer scriptures of a cornerstone. What a great image it is for us of, of first things, setting the first things first, making sure that our foundation is right foundation to build on. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help each of us um, to trust you and to 
enjoy the kingdom of God and all of the richness that there is for us there. And help us to trust that what we're building on is not just does not just have a shelf life of this life, but is eternal. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to say that the Sadducees made themselves the chief cornerstone, but they also used God. He was a stone in their building. Right? No, we'll, we'll fit God in here. That's another warning for us, too. God bless you. Have a great week.